this is free association. Free association. Free association. This is Free Association on sportsnet.ca. It's not the Warriors locker room in New York City. I got it. Did they, so did they make this song? No, DJ Suede. Okay. The remix god I, made the song. I was going to say I I thought that they hired this guy or that they were a part of creating the song. Oh, that would have been better. Yeah, that was my whole thing I which was brilliant. Because they have the means. I love the song. I honestly tried to figure out a way to make it my ringtone, and I couldn't figure it out. I will say the beat is pretty good. The beat is is major. The, the beat is solid, and it just make it just makes me smile. It makes me happy. Well, yeah. What's the don't best? go at Draymond Green. Don't do that. Well, what's the best in part? your Fox Sports One interviews? To me, it's Josh Duhamel. Do you know what she's trying to say? What part of the red? Is that the red, white, and blues? What she trying to say? Red, like I would just think that the red, uh, yeah, yeah, is like her saying red, white, and like that's that part. The yeah, yeah, I have no idea. What is that part again? Play it again for me, Emil. I knew and then I forgot. Yeah, wait. Yeah, it's tough. Days <laughs> and just the Fergie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then the let's play some basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so these guys saw Josh Duhamel's tweet, who was Fergie's husband, but is no longer Fergie's husband. Was the my well, last wait, understanding? Of it. Oh yeah, husband? I think he, they were engaged. That's that okay. A, he didn't get in the end zone yet. All right, that's he pretty didn't close. He touched Pater. What? Are he, you sure? He did not touch Pater. I'm Man, pretty you sure. No, you're now the CBC's pop cultural <laughs> correspondent. So, if anybody in this room knows, it's you, Donovan Bennett. I believe that they were just engaged. Either way, it was a long-term relationship, so he goes to bat for her. I can't remember exactly what the tweet said, but it was pretty innocent. But I think that the thing to remind other celebrities who would say, come at the Golden State Warriors, is those guys are essentially untouchable. Plus, they live in a locker room culture, which is making fun of and teasing each other all the time. And so... They're going to be able to come back at you funnier and with a hot, bigger platform than just about anybody. Who's going to beat them? And even if you're a stand-up comic, it's going to be very difficult for you to beat the Warriors. When I watched the video, I was like, this is why I miss being on a team. Because that camaraderie is so cool. Alfonso McKinney, of all people, who's yeah. getting some real burn. <laughs> like, who is stealing Patrick McCaw's money. Like, you might want to end your holdout, McCaw. You're not Le'Veon Bell. And who I'm looking at and being like, Man, shouldn't he be in the Raptors organization still? The way he's playing we don't for the Warriors? Him. We don't oh, need him. Oh, he's looking pretty good. Anyways, he posts this. And I don't know if you remember when the Warriors first became the Warriors. Remember when they started the season in 15-16 on fire? They had this like collegiate atmosphere around them. And then every night after wins on the plane, they would play. Come in love with the And it would just be the best looking forward to seeing them on the plane dancing and singing to it until their ownership group figured out what that song was about. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have to cut that out right now. (laughs) That stops immediately. Cease and desist. They got the all email 
but I love the fact that even though, you know, they've been through it, they've won a bunch of titles, been to the finals, that they still have that collegiate atmosphere around their crew because for a while they were a bit jaded. They were a bit like, they were kind of like the Heatles. Everyone Last hates year us. especially. Everyone hates Last us. Year, the, the, the media wants us to fail, so on and so forth. And even though they were so good, they weren't fun. And you mentioned like Boogie might bring some of that back, even though he's not the most fun character in the world. I think but he's just, fun when he's on your team, though. To well, an extent. Tell that to this, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that I think he was horrible in Sacramento. No one could play with him. I still have a theory that he broke Nick Stauskas because every time Nick Stauskas went to take a three and missed and could have hand, given the ball to Boogie, it just broke him down a little further. Nick Stauskas is finally coming out of the Boogie coma. Like now in Portland, it took him years of rehab. I think he got better playing with Anthony Davis and being around a superstar and realizing, I think if you're his peer, he treats you in a very different way than anybody else that he perceives a, a lesser light. Except and, the Pelicans didn't want him back. But I think that had to do more with him tearing his Achilles than anything else. If he doesn't tear the Achilles, you don't think that they offer him the max? As soon as he got hurt, they played pretty For good. sure, because you and, don't want hurt, because the hurt boogie thing always made so much sense to me. He does have a terrible history with teammates and being a malcontent. And so what have we learned with guys with lower body injuries that never become the same guys that it takes you a long time before you can actually accept that. Even Kobe, when he came back from the Achilles remember, and that was much later in his career, but I think it's a fair comparison because Kobe killed his teammates, came back from the Achilles injury and was like, don't worry, I'm going to work my way back into this. And he had carte blanche to do so, but it took him a full season before he realized Okay, I, uh, it's over for me. I, I can't play basketball anymore. If Boogie Cousins that happens to, you're tied into a max contract. So I never viewed it as the personality that held him from the max so much as the injury first and then the implications of that injury on the personality. Yeah, I always find, for me, Team USA's litmus test as to how other guys, top guys, your peers, yeah. feel about you. Rondo, Team USA, they're like, yeah, you know what? Pass. He's not on the team. No. Nobody likes him. You're this generation. Although Chris Paul Isaiah has Thomas. played USA basketball. Well, Chris Paul has the cosign from LeBron, LeBron and Carmelo and, and Wade. So I feel like for that he's generation, not tight with Melo and Wade, that they just are there more with LeBron and he vouches for Paul. He's like, come on, guys, be nice to Chris. I mean, he was at Melo's wedding. Sure. Given a speech about how they should form their own super team. And then like six years later, it kind of happened, six but they're not later. the same player. But yeah, but that generation of guys, he was in that club. Maybe this generation, not so much. But to a man, all the Team USA guys, whether it was the two Raptors, the four Warriors, they all love Boogie. Yeah. And so that's why I was like, there is a different guy under that hard exterior. And maybe it's just the fact that he went crazy as a Sacramento King with his yeah. talent being wasted. This is what pisses me off the most about the Warriors right now, though, is... I agree. I don't think they were comfortable as the heels. Even though they made it work, they won, but they won because they had just an incredible discrepancy in talent. And they get into finals against Cavaliers teams with LeBron James and now what is the worst team in the Eastern Conference. So that's who you were playing. LeBron and the worst group of guys in the Eastern Conference that have already fired their head coach. And now Kevin Love's on the shelf for, what is it, six weeks with a toe injury? It's not a short-term injury. He's going to be out a little while. So that's who you were beating. But 
I think they did almost come apart at the seams last year in that Houston series. They were uncomfortable. They didn't know who was taking those last shots. They were frustrated by the defense. You got after it's all said and done. Who was it? Andre Guadal? No, it was uh, David West that came out and said the, you don't know what happened behind the, the scenes here. And I don't think it was that bad. I just don't think that they were particularly getting along with one another. Steph's always been a baby face. Clay likes to be looked at as a, as a popular figure. I think even Kevin Durant, as much as he, I think he actually feels he's probably like a little bit like LeBron when LeBron was on the heatles and he was hated. I don't think he enjoyed that as much as being a face and being loved was when he was on the Cavs. You bring in boogie cousins. And I think it did help shape that locker room again in a way where it is this super team and they all are and just enjoying it and they're getting it for Boog and he's just another big personality in the room. It's working for them. And I also think though, I also think that this collegiate atmosphere that we saw before and that maybe we got a glimpse of now has a little bit to do with the Warriors embracing this almost as their senior season and that it's not going to last forever. And that Mm. after this year, Kevin Durant is gone and Guys are going to want paychecks and Boogie probably leaves if he's healthy and can go get a contract somewhere that, that the war, this warriors iteration is not long for this world. And so they're just enjoying it while it lasts. Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, I, I like that theory. That's, I didn't never thought about that. The other thing that we've seen is that Steph Curry is going for the MVP. Like he's not going to win it because the narrative isn't there. They would have to have it. Mr. Chastising the fans for chanting MVP a week ago is now proclaiming someone is going for the MVP. Those are two different things. Oh, are chanting they? MVP and someone intending to go for it. But are they are, though? They are the exact opposite. But is someone saying that they're recognizing someone's desire for the MVP trophy less than a month into the season dissimilar from fans chanting MVP? Listen, I desire to be the prime minister one day, but I'm not giving out campaign buttons right now. Like, what are you talking about? No, you don't. Of course I do. No, you don't. You are, you can't be prime minister. Why not? You can't be prime minister, sir. Because? Because you are way too, I would say this. Way too what? You are way too temperamental. What? You try to bait me into saying black? No, I did. You you said it on your own. Way too what? Way too what? Like, no. Yeah. uh, Clearly someone can be black and be prime minister. I I didn't bring that up. You did. I think that you're too temperamental. And you know what? I think Thank that you. I Neil's think that, be my campaign manager. Oh, the, now you're even doubly screwed. See, that's why, why? you can't be why prime are we minister. Screwed? Because you just said that a podcast producer could be your campaign manager because he was the first person to come and offer his services I to you, am, sir. I am going to be the PM of the people. Nah, mm. that's not happening. That's not happening. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Wait. I'm trying to think of who would make the best prime minister from Sportsnet now. If I had to really get behind someone and and be like, you know what? They're probably best going to represent us. Well, we just lost Dan Robson. He he would. Dan Robson actually would have been a pretty good. He looks the part. He does look the part. (laughs) He's got those glasses, those fancy glasses. He looks like he doesn't write about sports. That was my compliment to him. Is whenever I would see him, I was like, "Yeah, you look like you're going to go pen something uh, about basically you, your lost childhood." You know, like he he spent summers. uh, with his family at a very fancy cottage at the estate. That's a lost childhood. Yeah, Sounds like a privileged childhood. Maybe they lost their money somehow. They were the blockbuster dynasty, the the Robsons. And it just never worked out for them. But yeah, no, that, maybe we'll try to come back around to that. Who would be the prime minister of Sportsnet? So this is a Raptors podcast. So yes, we are getting now to Raptors things. So MVP. 
by the way, that was the most feedback I got from that entire podcast. I talked to a few different people actually stopped me and talked to me about it. How many of them said it's okay to chant MVP? They were all on your side. Of course they were. Every single person was reasonable on your side. Human beings. And I, I said that again, you're being too literal, but whatever. This is the world we live in now, I guess, where it's just everyone gets chastised for everything. I say enjoy yourself, Stratchers fans. But... What do you mean too literal? We're not having a theoretical conversation. People are doing it right now. And the conversation is, should they? Should they be chanting fine. MVP in the first two weeks of the NBA season? So, MVP... The Raptors' best player is now clearly Kawhi Leonard. But I think their MVP so far this season has been Kyle Lowry. And I want to ask you, how many point guards right now in the NBA would you trade for Kyle Lowry? And how many are better right now in this one season in the Eastern Conference? But first, a quick break. So I like to watch a lot of sports and a lot of sports are happening all at the same time right now. And it's very difficult as someone who works in sports radio where I have to watch all these things to consume them all back to back to back. And, and sometimes there's recordings, but sometimes you just you have to be watching multiple sports at the moment. And, and that's why I'm a huge SN Now fan. The other night I'm watching the World Series on my tablet. I've got my laptop open and I'm watching NBA basketball and on my television I have got my Monday Night Football, and this is all because of SN Now, which, of course, is one of the better products that we have here at Sportsnet, and I highly recommend it for all of you. Instead of spending your time on, you know, those streaming services that are basically a bunch of ads popping up in your face, viruses coming onto your computer, whether you're worried about those things. I don't even know where, where a lot of these things are based out of, but they always seem very sketchy to me, and I could not endorse anything more than I do SN Now. So if you got the time, and if you are a sports fan, in which you probably are listening to this podcast. Highly recommended for you. Yeah, we got Lakers Raptors this weekend, Sunday, 9.30 on Sportsnet 1. It's, it's a game that most likely will be consumed on SN1 for myself as I'm watching some NFL football at the same time. We got like six sporting events going on in LA at the same time. SN now comes in handy. You know, actually, it's helped my relationship. I'm not going to lie. How so? My wife, she had like a little girls weekend going up to Muskoka with her mm. friends, whatever. I had the house to myself. Amazing. So much sports consumed without guilt. But then she comes back in the middle of watching sports. She wants to tell me how her trip was. She wants to go on a walk. I don't want to go out on a walk. It's cold outside. But she wants the quality time, the QT. A previous iteration of myself, I've been like, that's a hard no. Can't do it. I'm in the middle of watching sports. But now, as said now, I can just put that bad boy on pause. I can rewind if I need to. I can give the quality time to my lovely key. lady and not miss a second of sports. So, Thank you, SNL. So you go to snnow.ca and you can choose your plan. And, you know, if you've already got uh, Sportsnet on your TV package, it's all right there for you. You get over 500 blackout-free NHL games, over 40 regular season Raptors games, Premier League, FA Cup, everything of oh, the Blue Jays, there's WWE on there. There's, there's so much I can't even get to the entire read. So again, go to snnow.ca for more details. And now back to the podcast. So I asked you on the other side of the break about Kyle Lowry. And I said that right now he's the team's MVP. And I stand by that because he's off to just an incredible start. He's second in the NBA right now in win shares and He's averaging over 10 assists a game and shooting the damn lights out. I think he's somewhere over 50% from three so far this season. He's, or, he's, he's incredible. And obviously a lot of, some of this is not sustainable. The numbers anyways, the shooting numbers, probably the assists will come down a little bit. Although 
I feel like though that could be sustainable. But it really did get me thinking. I, I, I saw someone post on Twitter, you know, the meme of the guy who says, it's not a hot dog as a sandwich. It's soup. Something about soup and says, convince me wrong. He's sitting at a table drinking a tea. No. Does anyone know what that is? No. What that guy has? It's no. a meme. This guy basically sitting in a park with a table saying, come convince me that something is not soup. Sounds hilarious. It's not. <laughs> but it's worked as a meme. You've never seen it? No. And you superimpose people's face onto the, the guy and then rewrite his banner. And it was, Kyle Lowry is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. Tell me I'm wrong. And... It got me thinking, while you would clearly, because of his age, accept a trade for, say, a Kyrie Irving or a Ben Simmons. Kemba Walker. I don't think I would do that, but yeah, sure, let's let's throw him in there just because. Dame Lillard. How many of these guys would you rather have on this Raptors team this season? Because for me, the list is very, very short. In the East or the league? Well, in the league, I think that there's only one guy that I would 100% say yes to that plays point guard for this season, and that's Steph Curry. Stop it. And then after that, Stop it. it becomes very difficult for me to look at other guys and say... Dame Dalla? I wouldn't definitively take Damian Lillard over Kyle Lowry on this team this year. James Harden? No. I don't. Re- well, I kind of took James Harden out of the point guard conversation, even though he is a point guard. But yes, I would take James Harden. Chris Paul? No. I don't think I would do Chris Paul either. Dame Lillard... Yeah, I'm not thinking twice about it. Am I okay to think Damian Lillard is a little tiny bit overrated? No, you're not. Okay, so let me lay out what was the real, the first impetus for me to think about this. The first kernel was Russell Westbrook. Because I was looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they blew a game to somebody bad. And I think they started off without a win in their first three or four games. And Russell Westbrook comes out. And says that he's not worried about things. And the quote's being bandied around the internet. And on paper, they have two of the best 25 players in the NBA. Correct? Two of the top 15 players in the NBA? Where, like, where do you put Paul George? Is he a top 20 player to you? Yes. Okay. So they have an MVP and a top 20 player. And that team, we all agree, is going nowhere. And you can say that... They don't have a ton of depth or they're missing a bunch of guys, but Dennis Schroeder is a pretty damn good backup point guard. And as much as Patrick Patterson should not be a incredible option for you or a really super important option for you, he was for some really good Raptors teams. They've got Steven Adams, who I would argue is still one of the best centers in the NBA right now. Like they, it's not as though they're completely bereft of, of other pieces around them. So uh, Abrinas can knock down an open shot. So what's the difference between them and a team like the Raptors? And I've, I've always thought that a big part of it is Russell Westbrook is not conducive to winning because he's the type of guy who just commands too much and it detracts from others. Whereas I think Kyle Lowry is kind of the opposite and Kyle Lowry coming into the season, remember Vancouver and people were starting to wonder if he's going to get on board and Oh, is Kyle Lowry. How's Kyle Lowry going to react to the quiet stuff? It just feels so foolish right now because I think that one of my main reasons as to why I would want Kyle Lowry over so many of these other point guards this season is that I do know what I'm getting from Kyle Lowry. And that if you really looked at dropping Kawhi Leonard next to just about any point guard in the NBA, especially a star point guard, is that the pecking order, especially for shots, may not be as clear. If you put him next to Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard's still going to want to be the guy taking shots at the end of the game, not Kawhi Leonard. If you put him next to Kemba Walker, maybe that changes. If you put him next to Kyrie Irving, I still think Kyrie wants to be the guy. 
that he does not play as well with a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Whereas Kyle Lowry has brought in Kawhi and let him just be himself while still maintaining a higher level than Kyle Lowry's ever played. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say Kyle hasn't played out of his mind because he has. I'm afraid to agree with you that Westbrook can't get it done and win. Would you rather have Westbrook this season instead of Kyle Lowry, knowing how it would impact how Kawhi Leonard is going to stay? Although maybe it works out because guys, for some reason, get Stockholm syndrome with Russ Westbrook. Paul George. Yeah. Paul George. I mean, Westbrook has won more playoff games than Lowry has played better in the playoffs than Lowry. And I agree the thunder as you know, that's true. You don't think Russell Westbrook has played better? Yeah, I think that Russell Westbrook. Ka- so he has Ka- won Lowry more games. At one point, was top three worst field goal percentages in the history sure. of the playoffs. But actually, that's going to be one of my arguments. Is I'm going to break down Kyle Lowry's last season and just kind of put it into light. But Russell Westbrook has won more playoff games because they went to a finals with he and Harden and Durant, and then he went deep in the playoffs because he was with Kevin Durant still and Serge Ibaka. But absent of those guys, he's made it out of the first round once. But he was still a big part of those teams. Like, you can't say absent of those guys. He was one of those sure, guys. Sure, but we're talking about Kevin Durant, who is arguably the second best player in the NBA right now. Right. My point is that, sure, the Thunder are not as presently constituted, even though they have two great stars, a team that you think is going to go deep in the playoffs. But the point in this current NBA is having two stars mm-hmm. is the starting point, not the finish line. Mm-hmm. Then it's what you do around them. The Warriors have five all-stars. The Rockets have two that are better than those two. And I mean, Carmelo used to be one. The Raptors have two all-stars. The Celtics could have four Mm all-stars this year. The Sixers will have two. So having a a couple all-stars is the beginning. Then it's the pieces around them. And the Thunder, out of all of those teams we mentioned, have by far the worst pieces around them. And you could make a real argument. Correct answer is probably Boston. You can make an argument that the Raptors have the best pieces around their all-stars. I think Kyle Lowry makes the pieces around him much better than Russell Westbrook does. And this is the point I'm making. I think if you dropped Russell Westbrook into Toronto, that the guys around him start playing worse. That Kyle Lowry empowers Pascal Siakam. He finds open looks for Danny Green. He makes sure that Kawhi Leonard touches the ball the most and does not detract from his offense and lets him get going in a basketball game. So if you trade the two players... The Thunder's record gets better? Yes. I don't know about that. I think the Thunder's record gets better, and I think the Raptors' record gets worse. And I really do believe that right now with Kyle Lowry. And let me just bring up some numbers from his last year, because this season is it's still so early that while we can recognize what Kyle Lowry is doing is incredible, we obviously need a larger sample size. But just going back to last year. So last year, he was second among NBA All-Star point guards in rebound rate. And I took out the non-All-Stars because... Basically, is Lonzo Ball and DeJounte Murray that were ahead of him, who are, I think, both six foot four or above. Kyle Lowry, if you've ever been around him, he's not, he's not even six feet tall. Like, he's not six feet tall, and he's second in NBA All Star point guards in rebound right behind only Russell Westbrook. He's currently second among point guards in win shares, as I mentioned, but last year, eighth in the NBA in box plus minus, eighth in the NBA in VORP, which is value over replacement. He does not need the ball to be effective, which gives him increased flexibility in a ton of lineups because he can play off the basketball. Unlike a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's never been able to learn that in his entire career. 
He shook off some of the personal playoff demons, I think, not by beating LeBron James, but he shot 44 from three last year. He was 17-9 and shot over 50% from the floor. He went way over his career norms in the postseason. He was by far the Raptors' best player. He doesn't draw fouls, and we've seen a significant drop-off over the last couple of seasons. Offensive fouls he does. Yeah, sorry. He does draw offensive fouls. It was something I was going to get to, which is that he still did lead the league in in drawn charges last year. He doesn't draw foul calls on the offensive end like he used to. We've seen a drop-off. But even that, he shoots one less than Kyrie Irving did a game last season. He's been healthier. He played 78 games in comparison to, say, Kyrie Irving, who only played 60 last season. And in that context, Kyle's true shooting percentage was only 10 points behind Kyrie despite 18 more games. Guy was third in the NBA and made threes. He's currently the, I would say, second best pull-up three-point shooter in the NBA. When you stack that all up and you look at it in terms of how a lot of these Raptors players have progressed over the last couple of years, I, I think it's a pretty fair, at least, argument to say that right now he is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. So you have no worry, based on his sample size of last year, that he's going to finish the year healthy and energetic this year. He finished the season healthy and energetic last year. Right, and what happened in the three years before that? I think guys can get better and guys can change. And I think that in the years before that, we've we've given Kyle Lowry a, a worse rap because here's the thing about him. He had more playoff performances than DeMar DeRozan did. Like, his shooting numbers were horrible, right? Because there's, there's no defending Kyle Lowry's shooting numbers. They were bad, 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 bad. We remember Kyle Lowry in the gym working it out. But he still had multiple moments. They beat the Heat in that Game 7 because Kyle Lowry was awesome. He has had good playoff games. He's just not been the same shooter in the postseason before. But I thought he shook it off last year. I just I think that rating him right there with Kyrie Irving and maybe just slightly above Kyrie Irving right now is a fair assessment. Like I said, if you got to trade him for the season, who are you, who are you swapping him out with in the Eastern Conference right now? Kemba, that would be it. But Kemba has done it in college, but he's never done anything in the playoffs in the NBA. Well, he hasn't been close. His teams have been terrible. Right, but if the argument is that Kyle Lowry hasn't proven in the playoffs, why would you want to go with a guy that hasn't even been there? Well, Kemba is, one, younger, two, cheaper, for now, anyway. No, 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 take contracts out of this, because you're already set with your contract. It's This is just for this one season. And you also have to account for Kawhi Leonard and trying to acquiesce to him to a certain degree and knowing where you sit in the pecking order. Yeah, no, I would not trade him for Kyrie. Listen, I don't, I don't know if Russell Westbrook, he certainly will not age well. I, I don't know if he works for the NBA right now, but he's still a, he's still a force. He's still someone who could go out any night and get a triple double. Mm-hmm. Here's the bigger issue with, I have with what you said. There's no way he's the MVP of the team. Zero. And here's why. If Alex Xero was doing an update, when, when you're going to go back to your desk in the newsroom. And Alex but best Cicero, player and MVP can be two different things. Wait. And he said, breaking news came across the wire. Raptors all-star out for the season. Cuh. He started with that first cuh. Didn't finish the phonetics yet. And you're you're holding your breath. Are you saying, I hope, I hope, I hope it's not Kyle? Or are you saying, I hope, I hope, I hope it's not Kawhi? Mm-hmm. You're saying you hope it's not Kawhi. Why? Because he's the most valuable player on the team. So... I think Kawhi determines the ceiling more than Kyle Lowry does. The Raptors are going to go further than ever, or if they go further than ever, it's going to be because they added Kawhi Leonard. I'm in total agreement with you. But I think the reason why this is working the way it's working so far, and the reason that it's going to continue to work this way, is that you have a secondary all-star in Kyle Lowry, 
that can fit anything. And this is the main point. But you didn't answer my question. Which would you rather? No, I would rather lose Kyle Lowry because you have point guards behind him that can do some semblance of some of the things that he does. And again, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the team. But thus, he's less valuable. Sure. In that regard, he is less valuable. I don't think that Kawhi Leonard, if he comes to, say, this Raptors team and there's no Kyle Lowry, that it's working this way or that we're even getting the same results from Kawhi Leonard or that the guys around him are fitting in the same way. Like, look how seamless everything has been about this. This has not been because of the Spurs way coming into Toronto. It's been because the Kyle Lowry way makes everything else around him work. It's why Kyle plus the bench has worked in the past. But those things are not mutually exclusive. You can say that Kyle Lowry has helped the transition with Kawhi Leonard, but but that doesn't mean he's more valuable than Kawhi Leonard. I think so far this season, he has been the MVP of the Raptors. He has been their most valuable player. And that will hopefully change at some point this season. But so far to me, Kyle has been MVP. He's their assist leader. He's their win shares leader. He is their best shooter so far this year. And he's the guy that's basically acclimated everyone and made it work for with for everybody. You can put Kyle Lowry in any lineup and it automatically becomes one of the premier lineups, period, in the NBA across the board. He's just so ridiculously good. And I think that we we drastically underrate this guy. Over and over and over again, we underestimated how he was going to be able to make this work with Kawhi. And no doubt, this ultra competitor ends up making it work. We weren't sure when he came to Toronto. Like that was, this is the whole Kyle Lowry story is how is this going to work? Even when he got his contract, people looked at it as, oh, that's too much money for Kyle Lowry. Now it looks like a complete bargain. You're going to get this year of Kyle Lowry at what? 33 some million dollars. That's a steal. That's totally fine to pay this guy who we both agree is at least in the conversation as a top three, four, five point guard in the NBA right now. Like you're not going to find four guys that you're hundred percent going to take over Kyle Lowry. You're not going to find four point guards that are going to work as well at working in a superstar with as many question marks about his personality as Kawhi Leonard. You're not going to find a point guard with a better track record of elevating his teammates than Kyle Lowry. Where, again, you look at Westbrook and you say that everything else is around him is trash, or Damian Lillard, everything else around him is trash, but show me the guys that they have made better. Because to me, Kyle Lowry has made Jonas Valanciunas a lot better, and I'm going to talk about him in the next block. He has already made his two bigs so much better this season in the way that he uses them in the pick and roll. You look at every single guy that's been around Kyle Lowry, and who's who have been the list of disappointments? Damari Carroll? Where, who else? Who are the guys that Kyle Lowry has not made better? He has a real Steve Nashian effect about him. Don't do that. He does. Don't do that. He does. Do he that. has a Steve Nashian effect where teammates that play with Kyle Lowry, no matter who they are and what units they're in, they get better. There's a reason why Kyle plus the bench includes him and Gravis Vasquez and Patrick Patterson and Chuck Hayes. And what the hell happens to those guys when they leave Kyle Lowry? They fall apart because Kyle Lowry is a goddamn machine and we should be respecting this player. Because he is incredible, and they cannot afford to lose him. And yes, right now he is the Raptors MVP. At JD Bunkus. At JD Bunkus. That's right. He's not the MVP. And while you're there, right? This not, podcast. Listen, I'm not trying to besmirch him. He's been great. Of course and, not. And I'll be, of course not. I'll be more excited if we're talking about him playing at this level in Game 60 or Game 70. But I mean, we're not even at Game 10 yet. I agree. And so he's had incredible hot streaks. The, the, the only question about the player, he's so dialed in right what, now from last year would be, can you maintain this pace? So I would like more data more information, but do you think the assists are sustainable? Because I, I think that we are seeing a guy that's sharing the basketball, like not having to Rosen 
be a creator as much because DeRozan also passed more than Kawhi Leonard does. And I think that Kyle Lowry is going to play in more staggered units where he's a facilitator. DeRozan playing out of his mind. By yeah, the way. he is. He's, he's got the most you. points through, what, five games of any spur ever? I do think the assists are sustainable. So double-digit assists this season, which would be he's, by far his career he, high. He's going to average a double-double. There's no question. But Kawhi's still more valuable. He's a better okay. defender. He's a better rebounder. And he's a better offensive player. He's better. I, I still, one of my favorite things watching Kawhi Leonard right now is the rebounds he gets where his feet are essentially on the floor and he just goes up and claws a basketball away from somebody. My oh. favorite thing is when he dunks the basketball and catches it before it hits the ground. <laughs> he, is a, he is a really freakish body. I want to talk about Jonas Valanciunas' offense, but first a quick break. Difference. Leonard backing down, double comes, they swing it, extra pass in the corner section, nice recovery. Valanciunas, oh, how sweet is that dish from the big man? OG Ananobi, the two hits. So Brown working left of the lane, he'll drop it back out. Valanciunas, the big man, is going to fire away. He'll hit. That's five good games for Serge from my standpoint. And he probably deserved to come back in a little earlier, but I thought Jonas was rolling on one. And, you know, we've talked about that too. He was having a heck of a run out there and, and being big and making shots and doing all kinds of stuff. So he got a little probably more of extended run. You saw the block by Valanciunas, who didn't start last night against the Celtics. That ended a run of 198 straight regular season starts. It was Ibaka who got the start last night, but Jonas certainly making his presence felt here in the starting lineup so far. During uh, training camp, we tried so many different lineups. So that's our key to be able to play with uh, different lineups, different guys. So more versatile like that. Villages is lining it up again. And back and down the triple. So I think one of the stories so far this season has been the way that Nick Nurse has separated Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka, and it has worked. It has more than worked. It's been one of the great successes of the season. Both guys look way better apart than I think they ever did together. I would say that Serge Ibaka has gotten the majority of the praise, but I also think that's because he was the more maligned player. He was the less popular player. He was disappointing to the fan base. He came in here with the expectation of being the third fiddle. And the things he's being asked to do, and I think primarily just catching the basketball closer to the rim and having less opportunity to dribble it around and do the things that drive us the most insane when it comes to Serge Ibaka is a huge reason for us talking about him in more glowing in a more glowing light. But I want to spend a little time talking about Valanciunas today because I think his offense is refined to the point where I don't know how much better it can get. Like I'm watching him over the last couple of games and it dawned on me. Do you remember early JV? And of course everyone gets much better and it's all about adding, right? But we usually, when we have the conversation about Valanciunas, it's, it's very extreme. It's always the people who think he should be closing games because of the rebounding and because of the offensive capabilities versus people that I would say I'm closer to, which have been more detractors because of the defense. And I think in part of this, we've lost sight of exactly how Valanciunas has approved on the offensive end. And 
And I mention these games because early JV was what? What was his game? It was catch the ball on the block and dribble hard into the middle of the floor and try to either lay it up in the rim, throw down a dunk if he was lucky, or shoot that little hook shot, right? And it was, well, you can't have DeRozan and him on the same team because they both like to operate out of that space. And while I think Valanchunas still likes to catch it there, he's just so much more versatile now. And if you look at the arsenal his game, he's got a drop step back to the baseline. He's got his little Dirk move. He's a much better offensive rebounder, so he will go out and get his own offense. He's got this little step back move that he can hit in the paint where it's almost a little shimmy fadeaway thing. He can shoot a three-point shot now enough where someone has to come out and actually take a look at him. He can handle the basketball well enough where it's not just for coming out to the three-point line to set a screen. He can execute a dribble handoff. He can get the basketball to the rim. This is a guy who, every time he used to dribble, it was basically going off of his foot. And now, it's like, what can't JV do on offense? I'd like to see him shoot the three more, to be honest. Even if he's not making them, the fact that he's starting to be guarded out there opens up so much more behind him. And he's a good passer out of the high post. The the interesting thing with him and with Serge, and we saw it against DeAndre Jordan, who's uh, a borderline level all-star at center in the West, is sometimes I think less is more, especially for those big guys. And now that they're not sharing minutes, they're splitting minutes, JV starts and he plays 22 minutes. Abaka plays 26. They both have eight rebounds. JV puts in 17 points, Abaka 11. And even though Jordan plays more than them in 34, I feel like for the entire time they outplayed him because they're a bit fresher. They're playing in shorter spurts. And I, so I think you're getting more out of both of the players. And for more minutes, whoever Raptor center is, whether it's Serge or JV, or Pascal playing small, you're outplaying the other center on the floor. And that's not something that you could necessarily say every night in previous years. Yeah, I didn't bring up the passing with JV. I'm glad you did because he he has gotten a lot better as a passer. And he definitely did used to be a black hole because we and we always theorized it was because he wasn't getting enough touches. And so when he did get his touches, he was going to keep it to himself. But yeah, he's a, he's better in the pick and roll. He's a dominant role player now. Remember when, even when Lucas Noguera came in, this is a couple of years ago, and people said, oh, Lucas Noguera has more pick and roll chemistry with Kyle Lowry than Jonas Valanciunas does. That's not the case anymore. He's the best role man on the team. He sets the best screen on the team. He's got the best inside the paint game. I don't feel as confident in him as Serge Ibaka shooting a three with his feet set wide open, but it's not the disparity between the two that I would have said I'd ever think would be possible. And yeah, I, I think I trust him more handling the, the ball than I do Serge Ibaka at that five position. And I won't even say it's too bad JV can't play defense because that's just so obvious now. Like he just can't do it. Guys dribble into him and they can finish through him or over him. And, or he does the little hedge thing and guys pull up and shoot in front of him. But the offense is incredible at this point. And even if you just look around the NBA at what certain guys can do and who are the best offensive centers in the game, he's right there. Like, there's not five guys with more refined offensive games at the five spot than Jonas Valanciunas. He's a real weapon. And he's finally being deployed in a way that works best for the Raptors. I disagree. I wouldn't say he can't play defense. A big part of, I've said this before, a big part of playing defense is closing possessions, defensive rebounding. It's, it's one... Doesn't matter if it's going through the hoop in a layup. Sure, but one thing the Raptors are not very good at is defensive rebounding. And by far, their best defensive rebounding player is JV. 
I wonder how the defensive rebounding stuff is going to go because the Raptors, it, it's something where the eye test has not matched the actual rebound rate numbers. Our buddy Blake Murphy wrote a piece about how good they're rebounding the basketball right now and Serge Ibaka, especially how he's improved his defensive rebounding. But, you know, you watch them in a night out basis and it's a confirmation bias thing where you really do watch them get hammered on the glass and give up a couple of them in a row and give secondary possessions. And I think we notice it even more as Raptors fans right now because they're, I was looking at this the other night, but their defensive field goal percentage is among, I think the top four or five teams in the NBA so far. So when you give those teams second opportunities, it almost feels even more glaring because the Raptors are so good at getting stops. I'll probably save actually some OG thoughts for later on that topic. Maybe, maybe a podcast uh, down the line quickly. Let's talk about the drama in the NBA right now. Cause I mentioned the Cleveland Cavaliers and I've already wrote off that they are no longer my glasses and ponytail team. My she's all that team because they're trash. They're so, so bad. And now they lost Kevin Love. Actually, did we bet on this? No, we didn't bet on we that. We should have. We didn't bet on that one, but we came close. You were like, you almost baited me into a Cavaliers playoff bet, which, yeah, I really would have had to pay you. Yeah, yeah, you wanted to do $1,000. Oh, man, free money. Yeah, I would have left the country. Would, would, would the Cavs make the playoffs in the G League? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> they make the playoffs. I don't know. You're the guy, are you seriously the guy who every year, could Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns? Is that you? <laughs> No, they couldn't beat the Browns. But. No, no one could beat the any NFL team from college sports ever. That's never. There's never been a college team that could beat any NFL team ever, ever, ever. Ooh, Just like there's uh, nope, never. Not no. if you say the U or anything. No, I they was going to say the no, U. They couldn't. Yeah. they couldn't. They would have lost. They would have been thirty point underdogs. Thirty point underdogs. Every USC team, every Miami team, and just like every G League team would get smashed out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not even close. Think about it. If you put just one of the Cleveland Cavaliers players in there, if you put even Colin Sexton in there. He's going to get you 20 a night. No problem. George Hill is going to score 30 a night. He's going to be the best player in G League history. No question. Right now, he steps in. He's, he's dominant. They're bad. They're so bad. Now that Kevin Love is hurt and the team is as bad as... I don't even think they, they could have predicted they'd be this horrible. Well, their owner couldn't wait for LeBron to leave. He's the worst. Yeah, he's a, not a great owner. But what do you do now? You, as soon as Kevin Love gets healthy, you got to try to trade him, right? Because you're not winning in the Kevin Love window. I understand re-signing him and the deal is fine, but another team could totally, totally absorb that contract. You're speaking as if the person running the team is a rational human being. Why'd they bring him back in the first place? Why'd they give him a new contract? Yeah. Who said there was I a think Kevin giving Love him a window? contract made sense. I think giving him a contract made sense. It's better than letting him walk for free. At least you have him under control and you can move him and you can get that back an asset. Of course, that makes sense. Firing Ty Lue six games in the season is beyond me. I don't really understand that. I think that your team just sucks, and why would you want to have Ty Lue gone? Who's the, you're bringing in an assistant from the staff, and I think that's very confusing. Even the Suns are like, yo, what are you guys doing? Yeah, what are they doing? I have no idea. All I know is when Kevin Love gets healthy, they should be exploring trades as soon as possible. They're going to have their pick. You know what actually makes it worse? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. We're at a time and an era in the NBA where the inefficiencies are super slim. Everyone is so smart. Everyone is doing so much work, whether it's player development or analytics. The Nets, who have no picks forever, they're actually running a smart organization. They're developing their players. They gave the Warriors a run. They're screwed because their owner was dumb for three and a half years. Everyone is, is, is getting so much better. So, I mean, the difference is, do you have Steph Curry and KD or do you not? 
But the few instances where teams aren't smart with their cap, with their player development, with their hires, is so blatantly obvious. The Suns and the Cavs. There's a huge gap between. But, but don't you think the Cavs had to do it? When you have LeBron, and I know that some of the contracts, but it's not really the Cavaliers' fault that they had to go out and sign Tristan Thompson to this massive contract because he was with LeBron. That's the way that you pay LeBron James in, in a weird way. And you're even seeing this on the Lakers right now with the KCP contract. Is like you pay clutch guys big contracts or Rich Paul guys big contracts in order to make up for the savings you're getting by even giving LeBron James a max contract. That you have to make desperation moves like sign Kyle Korver to a big money deal because you just need to have the, the theory was have shooters around LeBron James. Sure. But you didn't have to re-sign Rodney hood and you certainly didn't have to keep those guys. Now you could, but they didn't pay much for Rodney hood. Why do you want Rodney hood? Because it's he, Rodney hood was a, was I mean, let's not forget when they went out and got Rodney hood at the deadline last year, everyone looked at that as, Oh yeah, no, they're going to be able to unlock a much better player. here. It's not last year this year. Yeah. And the point is like, you should be saying holistically total change of direction. We have some equity in the marketplace. We brought back a championship. We're going to develop. We're going to draft. We're going to stockpile picks. We're going to really develop internally. They have a bunch of old guys on their team. They're a but bad they old of, team. But they couldn't get rid of all those old guys. That's the point is that they couldn't go that direction because there was too many veterans with bad contracts. You couldn't trade Tristan Thompson. There's nothing to get you out from the Tristan Thompson contract. Well, no. There's too many guys. George Hill is not going anywhere. You can't get rid of him. You can't get rid of... Jordan Clarkson, these guys are stuck with your team because they have bad deals. And so if you're stuck in that spot and you're paying all this money anyways, I want to recoup some playoff dollars. That's all I'm saying. Is who, 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 playoff, playoffs? I, I thought, Play, I thought playoffs? they must have thought that with Kevin Trying to win Love, a game. I know, of course, trying to win a game. I'm just saying that you at least looked at the Eastern Conference and said, well, there's nothing, there's not a 0% chance that we could make the postseason. Let's see what these vets can do. Let's give them a chance. Me and Mill were here to tell you that yeah, there was. Well, hey, were you against me? I don't know. I don't of remember. course he was. He has two eyes that work. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Even if they were an eight seed in the playoffs this year, which was far-fetched, the goal is to hoist a championship. Mm. And so that's not getting them closer to it. And, and sir, it's, is it tough to move those guys? Yeah. But you know, Impossible. it's tougher when you don't try. And they, because of... You had to give up picks to get rid of those contracts. That's the template. You're saying that you want them to rebuild and stockpile picks, but then to get rid of those contracts is just to save money and get rid of picks, and that's the worst thing teams can do. There are teams who are competing, who are looking for veterans to fill out the end of their rosters. Hmm. Teams like the Rockets, teams like the Lakers, teams like the Timberwolves, who would be in on some of those veteran guys. Who, Who do the Timberwolves want? They're already maxed out. They're not taking any money past this year. They have to get Jimmy Butler done. They don't even know how they're going to do that. What player on the Cavaliers do the Timberwolves want? There's not a single guy. There's not a single guy they want. No one on any team wants them. The only way that they take their guys is if you say, we're the Cavs and we'll give you a future first round pick. And you take this contract a la Damari Carroll style. That's the only way to do it. A la Timothy Mozgov style. You got to take this money and here's the pick. They don't have any value on that team. Their team is trash. Speaking of trash. At least I was right about the, my Kardashian team pick, which was the Washington Wizards. They are <laughs> they are in complete disarray. And I don't think you can blame Dwight Howard at this point. There's no... He's hurt. The Dwight, I know, but the Dwight Bola virus is somehow in the locker room. But the things that have always been there with the Wizards are starting to come up to the surface. And I wonder if just having Dwight around has, has pushed some of those things. It's like the Montgomery Burns, all the germs in the doorway and all it needed was a little breeze to, to knock them all into the body. 
Not a Simpsons guy? No. Okay, that's, I could tell by the look you just gave me that you don't watch Simpsons. These are some quotes that they had after losing to the Sacramento Kings the other night. Sometimes we have our own agenda on the floor, whether it's complaining about shots, complaining about playing time, complaining about whatever it may be. We're worried about the wrong shit, and that's where our focus needs to be. And it's just going to continue to hurt us. And then John Wall piped in, we've got guys that are worried about getting shots. You never worry about that. No matter if you're making or missing, you got to be able to compete on the other end. You got to do it on both ends of the floor or you don't need to be playing. Who do you think those two guys are talking about? Are they talking about each other? Each other, yeah. <laughs> These two guys are in the media basically saying the exact same thing about one another of don't worry about how many shots you get. I'll worry about my shots. I think they hate each other. I think they got to make a trade. I think that the guy that has to go is John Wall. Because? Because John Wall is the older of the two. He's got the worst contract. He is, I think he's had the longer runway in Washington. I think he's the one that is more volatile than Bradley Beal. I think there's a reason that it was John Wall calling out Marching Gortat on ESPN and not Bradley Beal. I I think that he's got a real problem with keeping things in house. That... He's the type of guy like Boogie, where he needs to go to a spot. I hate to say like the Warriors, but it's true. He needs to go somewhere maybe where LeBron James is at in Los Angeles and be in a place where he's like clearly the number two or at least not clearly the number one or in a debatable spot where he's the number one. This is another great example of the fact that in the modern day NBA, having two all-stars is the floor, not the ceiling. Walt to me, is a guy who the game has kind of quickly passed him by. Doesn't move off the... I don't see that. Well, I mean, let's just look at his game. He doesn't move without the ball. He's not a catch-and-shoot player. Uh, His three, even off the dribble in rhythm, is, is inconsistent at best. I mean, Russell Westbrook is finding this out. He's a highlighted example of all the same things. Who's playing in the NBA with a point guard who can't shoot threes? Like, it used to be, oh, my goodness, my point guard is pass first. Now it's like my point guard gives my entire offense some stretch. And I think he's a great player. He's a, he's a guy who very well is going to also have a double-double and in average, obviously, double-digit points and double-digit assists. He can be an engaged defender. He's a great athlete. He can get to anywhere he wants on the floor. But that's why the game can't pass him by is until the athleticism goes because still he's the deadliest transition basketball player other than LeBron James in the NBA. Sure. Okay. And in modern day NBA, you had this game with Kyle Lowry. So let's play with John Wall. Name the point guards you'd take over him. How long's the list? Probably in one game or over the course of a season because again, I think he can tank my team with his attitude and his like when you're showing up to training camp and you're like, yeah, I'm a little overweight, and I like to go out, and you guys like to go out too, so whatever. <laughs> like That's how he started with me on media day. I like to go out, and I'm not going to stay in. But, I'm, I'm, I'm going to still party. But we've established you're taking Lowry over him. You're obviously sure. taking Steph over him. Yep. You're taking Harden. You're taking yep. both him and Chris Paul. I'm not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not on a little Chris Paul. Okay, fine. I'm losing my, uh, my point God love. I think the age is... Uh, I, and the durability are real question marks with John Chris Wall Paul. has durability issues. Yeah, it's true. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm taking Chris Paul. And, and, I, and I'm John just trying Wall to hate on Chris Paul. I'm just trying to hate on Chris Paul. Chris more Paul than Chris him. Paul does. Yeah, I'll take Chris Paul. You're taking Kyrie over him. You're taking Lillard over him. I would take Kemba over him. I'm not sure if, if you love Kemba. I love as much how as I Kemba do. has had eight games and completely he's taken all the shots in the world 
and he's on this this Charlotte team where that's all they need. He's in a contract year, and you're like, Kemba, Kemba's your new guy. Kemba was good last year too. Kemba is good. He's solid. It's he just is. He's, he's a better fringe, than John Wall. He's a fringe All Star guy, and he's one of the worst defensive players in the entire NBA. John Wall is a fringe All Star guy who has a game he's the that's best not defensive fit. guard in the NBA. He's not. No, he's not. He's he's, he's one of the better defensive point guards in the NBA. He's he has a game that's not fit for 2018. Mm. I think we're putting a little bit too much emphasis on shooting, but the point here is, is that it's got to come to an end here. The writing's on the wall. The Washington Wizards are done. This has not worked out. And I really do wonder if the place is Los Angeles. Lonzo Ball and maybe the KCP contract halfway through the year or because this will have to be later. Can't trade KCP. Why can't you trade KCP? He's already got his money. He's a clutch sports guy. I know, but the whole point was just so he could get paid. And he already got paid. He got the max on one year last year, and he got $15 million or $12 million this year. May, I mean, maybe, but I don't think Rich Paul is going to sign off on a clutch guy being traded for a clutch but guy. they don't care. He said, buddy, they already gave him $30 million over the last two years. They said, KCP, we got you $30 million and you're KCP. Go play in Washington for a year. Yeah, no, they want him in the photo when LeBron no, hoists the trophy with the John photo. Wall. They want all three clutch guys. But... In the photo. Come and then AD joins them next year and you got four clutch yeah, guys. Come uh come trade deadline. I do wonder if maybe that's the guy to get. And if you could do something for Lonzo and and one of those contracts. Well, but I mean, listen, if Lonzo doesn't necessarily work with LeBron, why would John Wall work with LeBron? He's a much better basketball player. And one of the things that Without the basketball? No, but one of the things he's gonna that, have to be. One of the things that LeBron has been clearly looking forward to this season, if you just look at the pieces he's pulled around him, is not do, going the shooter route, but going the playmaker route. And I think that John Wall still at the end of a game can get you a bucket. And I think that you're overdoing the three-point shooting thing a little bit. Because John Wall is, he's capable of knocking it down. Like he, he's got a halfway decent three-point shot. Shot 37% last year on four a game. That's not irreconcilable. That's pretty decent. And he not he just won them a basketball game because he had a three at the buzzer against the Portland Trailblazers on the road. Like he's not Shaq out here. <laughs> he's, he's he can get you a three point shot. So yeah, I think he would be awesome with LeBron. I think that those two passers have already seen it with working pretty well with Rajon Rondo through the first game or two that those two guys can play together. We've seen it with Lance. I think LeBron wants guys who can get to the bucket and break down defenses and then. If he can touch the basketball, he can break it down even further. That it's this is playmaker LeBron with playmaker Lakers. Just an option. It's an option. Yeah. They just they need to get rid of him. And yeah, you know what? Maybe a team like uh, New Orleans jumps into the mix for John Wall as well because they say we got to try to do something to keep Davis happy. So we'll make some kind of crazy trade to get in here. I don't know they're, what that. They're would just going to keep trading for Kentucky guys until eight. Sure, happy. whatever. Yeah, just go get somebody. Love and hate. Before we go, you got him. I do. I love the fact that the Raptors are been pretty balanced, holding opponents to 41% from the field, which if we had this conversation to come into the season, we'd take shooting 50% from the field, which again, if we were having this conversation, especially with Kawhi still finding his shot and Danny Green having a bit of a slump in the preseason, we certainly would take that. I mean, it's not a real hate. It's more of a pet peeve, if you will. People are referring to the Raptors' starting lineup as... Kawhi, Kyle, obviously, Danny Green, Siakam, and Serge. And although that's the lineup they've used the most and the lineup they've used in high-leverage situations, we need to remove the vernacular of starting lineup from our heads with this team. 
Because I don't believe they have So you're one. coming at the fans again, essentially, is what you're telling me. No, I, this is actually media people media? who have been saying right. this. I just don't believe that they have a starting lineup. If you said May I suggest game seven in whatever round against whatever team, what's who's starting? I, the answer is I don't know. Why don't you just use the baseball term? What's that? The opener. That's what they do now, right? In baseball, they have a reliever that comes in to start the game. And then the reliever pitches an inning or two, goes out and gets the guy. We saw it to the point where the Milwaukee Brewers only used Wade Miley for one out this postseason. Well, they're not relief pitchers. The they're opener. outgetters. That's what I mean, though. This the opener. The, that, the Raptors opener lineup. Some, for the night. A lot of baseball people were bent out of shape about that. How'd you feel? I don't care. I think the opener is a smart idea. I, I want to see more of it. I'm a playoff manager now. Whenever I watch anything, I'm cycling through pitchers. I don't care how long the game's taking. I'm not caring about the fans. I care about me. And so I'm going match up, match up, match up. I'm burning out my bullpen every single night. I'd be fired because I, my starters would never see the third time through the order. And I would be very quick trigger to pull them out. I'd be using my closer whenever there was runners on in big spots. It would be, I'd be totally different. I'd be the best manager or the worst manager ever in MLB history. But I think our perception, specifically with this basketball team, should be less of a football mentality where we've got, we've got a depth chart, we've got starters and backups, and more of a soccer mentality where, yeah, here's the starting 11 today, mm-hmm. and we're playing squad football. They'll get there. They'll get there. It's, it's a, we, like, we're a month into the season, so once once this gets a little bit deeper, As I, said, I think people will rotate it. Pet peeve. Yeah, not, pet not peeve. all the way hate. Kind of a, Yours? Yeah. My love is Siakam's body control and touch around the basket. It's very clear that the thing that he worked on this offseason is his handle around the cup. He's so much more confident within 15 feet, taking the basketball, spinning off of someone, getting it up on the glass and, and putting it in. He used to look a lot more out of control when he was handling it and when he would get around the basket. And so far around the rim, it's been very, very promising. Yeah. And then my hate is veterans trying to do too much. We've said it with this team, you need to know what your role is with these groupings, right? That everyone needs to slot in and, and fulfill their purpose because there is a clear pecking order of Kawhi 1 and Kyle 2 and Kyle is the engine and having your shooters like Danny Green who shoot and give you defense and CJ Miles is supposed to come in as a specialist and just shoot threes. And he reminds me a little bit right now of Norman Powell last year when Norm was a starter and trying to do too much and his game did not resemble the game that got him there. CJ Miles, the other night against the Timberwolves, or sorry, it wasn't against the Wolves, it was against uh, Dallas. He was a lot better. He was spacing the floor, getting out in transition, going to corners, knocked down a couple of threes early. That's solid. But CJ getting in on those second units where Lowry or Kawhi are not there, and Jonas is supposed to be the guy that's basically running the second unit, he's doing too much for me. Where he's standing out at the three-point line, and he's trying to attack the basket, and he's putting the ball on the deck. And... He's trying to almost reinvent himself as a player, and it's too late for that, man. Go stay out on the side and shoot the threes because that's what's going to keep you in the lineup. And I think that he sees Norm Powell getting these minutes early in the year and how good OG Ananobi has been and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green being everything that you wanted from Norm Powell and CJ Miles, everything that you wanted from a 3 and D wing in Damari Carroll last couple of seasons ago, that he's forcing it a little. He's trying to add dynamics to his game that are not really working. And primarily it's the way that he's trying to do dribble drives. And to me, it's just stick to what got you here. And that's three point shooting. You shoot over 40%. You're going to get minutes. Disagree. I'm not sure if this have ever has ever happened to you. Cause I'm sure you're a, a great partner in your little relationship. <laughs> I am. Thank you. But Why is it you little? know, you know, when uh, like, you know, when you're in the doghouse a little bit 
like you're not fully Doug Hills, but you kind of sense it. So you're just trying to do everything. Hey, uh, I can I yeah. can make dinner tonight. Hey, uh, yeah. what do you want to watch? Huh? Yeah. Want to watch This Is Us again? You're just trying <laughs> to do never anything to make I would never your watch partner this is us. happy. Hey, how was your day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally should feel that way. What can I do to help? Yeah, I do this all the time. I feel like I feel like CJ Miles is in that spot where he's not like the new fresh option and mm-hmm. so he's just trying to do anything hey can i grab that rebound hey yeah not to mention he <laughs> can has I set a, that screen for you he has a contract that he needs after this year like it's going to be a new contract and it's not going to be as easy to get paid if you spend the entire season on the bench behind norm powell but the end behind danny green and even, oh yeah that's already a given i'm saying that it's still up for debate as to which other guy should be at the back end of the rotation well, and also let's remember DeLon Wright, who plays a lot yep. at the two, mm-hmm, hasn't really mm-hmm, played a lot anywhere mm-hmm. right now. And to actually go back to my other point, their defense has been good, and their second-best defender, for me, DeLon Wright, has barely played. Here's the, the question when you look at C.J. Miles. How much better from three does he have to shoot than the other options for him to garner minutes? Because it's those just other guys... Me. Well, Norm's not the only person stealing minutes from him. I know, but I just think that DeLon... Malachi Richardson is, is stealing yeah, minutes at Well, this point. they only put him in because they're missing three guys that night. But the point is, they didn't have to. Yeah. They could have played more those CJ. other guys five more minutes, and they <laughs> didn't. It's Malachi Richardson. The best was the broadcast was like, Malachi Richardson starts knocking down shots. He can insert himself into the rotation. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no amount of shots Malachi Richardson can hit in this basketball game that give him any type of minutes in this rotation. It's too deep. Sorry, Malachi. Although I will say... Lorenzo Brown. Oh, yes. It's a little bit better. Flex on him, Lorenzo. Well, I, you know, I can't remember who pointed this out, so I'm sorry, but it's so very true. Is Remember we used to joke in here about Lorenzo Brown would never take a shot ever? Because it's just, you cannot take a shot, sir. You're out there to move the basketball around, and that's it. But in the last game against Dallas, I thought that he was not as afraid to go up and try to get a bucket and take a shot and take a three. And, Took some big shots. Yeah, so... I played some great defense. I was encouraged to see that, hey, this is a guy who is doing something for himself. That being said, he'll probably be on the Warriors next year as they're filling up their (laughs) roster. Seriously. (laughs) But it was good for him. Did you do anything for Halloween? No. You didn't do anything? No. You didn't go to a party? No, I'm a a grown-ass man. Yeah, that's the point. Halloween is great. Emil, you do anything costume-wise? I feel like you're not a costume guy. No, I did not go this weekend. I'm a grown-ass man. Thank you. What? Cronus. Talking about, I went to a Halloween party, but I was very disappointed in myself because for the first time in God knows how long, I could not figure out a costume for Halloween weekend. I got something cooking for... For next year? For 19? No, for Halloween. But it's it was too much of an inside What's joke. What's the difference? For, well, the difference is that... You have two costumes? No, I only have one, but it's I'm going as someone from work. Are you wearing it to work? Ben Ennis? Maybe. You're going to wear a... He had a pretty notable brace injury. Brace on your ankle? Yeah, he had a pretty notable injury. Oh, okay. So I think I'm going to go as post-falling down, playing disc golf, Ben Ennis. Get some dirt on my face, wear a visor, maybe put my put my leg up in a thing. Listen, if you need to explain the costume, it's not good. But he won't be able to. I won't have to explain it at work. That's the point. I couldn't take it out. Oh, you're going to wear it around the office? Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. Got it. But Saturday, the party I went to, I was non-costume. And I felt horrible because the first girl I ran into as I was putting my beers in a fridge, it's like, oh, is this not a costume party? I was like, no, it is. I just, I, I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. 
I was worried that people were going to think I was a costume, even though I was clearly just dressed as myself. Like they were like, oh, nerd. <laughs> I was like, ah, no, just uh, me, just, just going as myself this year. It was bad. It was really poor form. I don't like when people are driving around. And they're wearing a costume while they're driving. Like I don't want to, I don't want to check my blind spot and see someone with a mask on. I, well, yeah, that's pretty clear. Who's driving with a mask? Lots on? of people. No. Yes. No. Yes. Get out of here. Driving with a mask on. You can drive with your costume at, on. At JD Bunkus. No. Let yeah. him know. People do this all the time. Well, that's. You know. I feel like that drive, should be. So yeah, but I feel like that should be against the rules. Like if a cop sees you, well, you with can, a mask on, then you'd pull over city. Because where was that in the young driver's test? Thou shall not yeah, wear masks. Still, like, it, did he just buzz in our ear? Browns fire Hugh Jackson? He did, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, I could hear that through your headphones. You know what? Good for the Browns because he's a train wreck. He's the, one of the worst coaches I've ever seen in my lifetime. But why fire him now? Like, because why would you let him be around the building any longer? Okay, but if you didn't fire him after he didn't win a game in an entire season, you're yeah, going to fire him. Yes, because you know why? In they, the middle of the season yes. when you are winning games? No, because no, they're not winning games. They're blowing games. They're getting smashed out. And that's the whole point is you can't have him around Baker Mayfield anymore. Now, now we got to go because we're, <laughs> this is officially it. Once we start talking about the Cleveland Browns, that's the, the light switch. Again, you know what to do. Go as Baker Mayfield for Halloween. Go. Run away from the cops. Go as a iTunes review that you no, I was talking to subscribe you. as. I know, but I'm saying for the listeners, go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's the most important thing. Once you've subscribed, you leave that five-star review and you rate it. By the way, people always say what they write in the comments that I whine for this. You does do. this sound like whining? Yes, it I'm does. asking. No one's listening anymore. But you I'm asking. Whining. I'm just asking politely. Would you please, if you listen to this podcast, subscribe to it? Would you please share it? Would you please tell your friends about it? Would you please download it twice? Okay, that's too far. That's whining. But it does mean a lot for us. This is how this thing grows. This is how we get better. So uh, we'll catch you. I don't know. We'll catch you soon. It's free association. Sportsnet.ca.